Welcome to the Raw and Uncensored Ambitious Podcast. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously. Oh, yeah, here I am, the original HBIC, Katie motherfucking Boyd. And in the ambitious podcast studio today, we have my around the way girl, Jennifer Vaughn. We have been friends for years and years and years. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And she is not only a longtime news anchor in New Hampshire, but more importantly, the author of six books. One was just the hot new release on Amazon. It's called Made in Hollywood. She lives in the Shire now with her hot piece of ass husband, Brad. Let's be honest. Let's be. Let's be. And she has two children, Brody, 22, who is the love of my life, and her gorgeous daughter, Darby, who's 20 years old. And today we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. No, not even ugly. The fugly parts about writing. Oh, it gets bad. Jennifer, thank you for coming all the way down here and hanging out with me. (laughs) My my love, my light, my guide. How wonderful is this? This is the best. I mean, this is long awaited and overdue. It is way overdue, but it's happening. I'm pumped. You have, I'm pumped like Arnold. I'm so excited for this. Let's do it. So I know that, you know, you've been a news anchor for how long? A hundred years. Literally. Literally. Like you're a turtle in the news anchor world. <laughs> you're a Galapagos turtle. Basically. I have, or if I'm a tree, I have a, a lot of rings. A lot of rings. A lot of rings. But in your spare time, which I know that you don't have much of that, in your spare time, you literally crank books out like it's going out of style. So six so far. Holy shit. I have about two that live in my computer that still need some some finishing work seriously and more ideas ideas come at me fast like bullets they really do and, and how long have you been writing out there like you yeah you feel the same um no that's a lie because <laughs> <laughs> after i wrote my book and you know all this shit that i went through i'm kind of like yeah i'm gonna go on hiatus and i'm gonna leave the writing to jen so writing can feel like that. It can feel like a blockbuster. Yes. Once you put it out in the world, you're content to just let it live there. I'm like the blockbuster, like the video place you used to rent movies from, which no longer exists. <laughs> but, but look what you created. I know. It was, it's oh, it's like birthing a baby. True. Right? Especially, yes. and it's like the worst nine months of your life. Can except be. mine took three years. It can be. It can have, it can have really devastating moments. You ain't kidding. Um, And it can also... You know, you can encounter epiphanies and life-changing moments within your own words. Yes. And that and that sort of balances out the hellish experiences that you will inevitably go through. Absolutely. When you try to record in writing some of your own thoughts, what you feel in your heart, what you see in the world. So you have to you have to strive for that balance. And when did you start writing? Like what like were you three years old? <laughs> Love I've always loved to read. Yes. I, I think that you know, when, when you're a child growing up around books, inevitably you start to wonder at some point in your life, hopefully when you're an adult and you have some life experience built up, Hey, I could do that too. Yes. Why don't I try to do that too? I have some good ideas and that's that intermingled with my TV world. So I have seen the worst case scenario in front of me. I've yes. interviewed people who are experiencing awful things. Um, conversely, I've seen the best 
of of life and of humanity and and circumstances ending in a particular way. So all of that combined into this sort of wind rush inside of me of ideas and right. scenarios. And I just gave it a try one day, literally just sat down and gave it a try. Do you remember day. exactly when you really started writing like professionally? Yes. It was my very first novel, Last Flight Out, which was fiction. Um, there were a lot of things that I threw into that that were that were going on yes. at the time. Um, and in my TV world, I do a lot of presidential politics yes. here in New Hampshire where, you know, face first oh, yeah. as, as they come through the state. Um, there's a lot of experience garnered in that. There's a lot of things that I can't I can't publicly talk about that I've experienced with the candidates, but yet I can write a little bit about that. I, and love I can that. I can pour that into some fictional situations. Right. So the last flight out was that basically. And what um, year did you write that, so Jen? It was that came out in 2011, I believe. Wow. So what was really cool about Last Flight Out too was my very first novel. It was well received. Um, I, I, looking back on it, as I've developed as a writer, I think that you know, hey, I would have done that differently, whatever. But I'm very proud of as it as it stands. And it was included in the swag bags of the Daytime Emmy Awards Stop. in Beverly Hills Holy in 2013. Shit. How'd you get that gig, girl? Just got an email one day. Damn. Yeah. You um, got the luck, girl. So that was that was a that was a hit of good luck. Wow. Yeah. You don't always get that no. in book world. Believe yeah. me. BTW. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just throw that out there before everybody's nipples start getting hard and they're like, oh my <laughs> God, my my novel's gonna end up in the swag bag. No, no. That was like a fluke thing that happened. Nor on the bestseller list and there's all sorts of things that happen to boost people onto bestseller list. Oh, yes. I about Politics, honey. Yes. Yeah. So you do, you know, if, if you approach writing as something I want to try, you, you do have to keep in mind all of the elements that work against you. Yes. And we're going to talk about those elements today because it's funny when, just so you guys know, you know, obviously Jen and I have been friends forever. And when I started writing my book, Jen was actually, you were like the one that really took the book and kind of ripped it apart and started editing it before I even had a team like anybody on my book team. And I think that was, was that before or after I lost, lost the book? Because you guys know, obviously, if you're listening to the Bitches podcast, that I lost my whole entire book. After. Oh my God. So this was, yeah, this was your second go around. Okay. But I firmly believe, and you have to too. Oh, absolutely. You can't lament. No. You have to remember that it disappeared for a reason and it only made it better the second time around. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, because I think of what I wrote before and it was trash compared to like the second pass. And then obviously through editing and all that kind of stuff, like it gets a hell of a lot better. So for anyone out there that's like, I really would like to write a book. You don't have to know any of that shit, right, Jen? Like you don't not have to be the editor. You don't have to be the person that makes the, you know, the front cover. You don't have to do all that stuff. I mean, you, you could, if you were good at that. You could. And some people do. If they choose to go solo yes. through the whole journey, yes, they're responsible for all of that. And some people choose it that way because right. they have master control. Yes. And when you delegate and you do get a team, um, you don't, you lose, you, you do lose a bit of control. You do. Yeah. Um, your ideas can stay original, of course, but I believe editors are like little angels that swoop in on their wings yes. and they fix your apostrophes and they fix your semicolons yes. and they fix all of that stuff where you had an extra the, Yes. or we're not going to put that one in. Let's eliminate that. Just you right. use just 16 times in that paragraph. Came Come on right, now. Remove that. Oh yeah. You told me a bunch of things like that. I remember so, little things like that, that make your writing stronger and better. And Absolutely. It flows easier and it looks a lot more professional. So your first book was awesome. It was in the swag bag. You were living your best life. And that was in 2011. And then 
let's go through all your book's names, like okay. the subsequence of all of it. So after Last Flight Out released, I believe my next one was Throwaway Girls. And this, so this one is a true th- thriller because I, I came up with Stephen King and Deep Yes. Coops, and I love murder mysteries. Me too. And it, I also love justice. Yes. So a big part about writing fiction, if you're writing fiction, is that you, you can apply your own sense of justice. Right. So I love that part of it. So Throwaway Girls is also based on, it's a, this, the, the fictionalized story of a TV reporter in Los Angeles. And some of the things that she encounters, one is specifically a serial killer right. targeting women in fetish nightclubs. Oh, you know, I love a good fetish nightclub. So do I. And the research on that, <laughs> believe me, was yeah, outstanding. nitty and gritty. <laughs> Um, so I introduced her, her name is JC Wilder and that, that also throws a bit of my world into her world because my world is her world. Yeah. So I could use a lot of the the realism that I encounter in my TV job and what I've learned along the way and how you investigate something and how you present something on television. Right. So we could infuse that. I I could infuse that into who JC Wilder is. And then after that, book two of the JC Wilder series is Legacy Girls. Okay. And that was, that was released after that. And this is, this is JC coming home to New Hampshire because her teenage cousin has gone missing Okay. at a prestigious boarding school. So this was another one in which, and believe me, long before Jeffrey Epstein was a known name around Mm -hmm. here, I knew of this dark underworld of young girls and old men. Yes. I have a police source who I work with when I need the, the, the true stuff. Yeah. The real... The real, I mean, the microscopic details right. of an investigation. Right. And I, I consult with him. I run my I love this. Him. I say, hey, would this appear in real life? And you'd be like, not only that, but, let, but, let me tell you about this. Wow. So we discussed a lot about that that undercurrent, that dirty, nasty, age-old undercurrent. I of love young this. girls, yes. old men, and yes. money. Mm-hmm. So Tale as old as time. Old as time, and it doesn't seem to end, does No, it? I think it's just, well, now we're seeing it even more. It's just blowing up in our faces. Indeed. Which, Indeed. wow. So that was, that's dirty. And then Echo Valley um, was a, another sort of dive into dirty politics yeah and politicians who aren't as clean as they appear to be mm-hmm. and um a single mother hairdresser who stepped in it oh wow. and she gets herself entangled in a true scandal and it happens on the campaign trail in new hampshire because i know what these candidates yes. do when they're on the campaign trail oh in yeah new hampshire. and i know that hairdressers are and stylists are brought in from local businesses and they see things behind the scenes mm-hmm. so that is that story um, and then following that, I, I dipped a little bit into nonfiction. Yes. And uh, my last two books, Shadow Kid and my most recent one, Made in Hollywood, they're narrative nonfiction accounts of a real life. That's so cool. So Shadow Kid um, is the story of a New Hampshire man who reached out and said, I have a story for you. Now, much like you, do you always get that from people? Hey, I got a story for you. Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I'll listen. Right. But he blew me away. Wow. Um, I've never. And you're not the kind of person, like, you're hard to impress. Hard to impress because I've actually seen it unfold in real life. (laughs) Yes. Yes. um, Nightly on on the news. Yes. You you see all that stuff. So, what he told me, what he had endured in the kind of life that he'd lived was unlike anything I had ever heard before. I I didn't believe him. He had to produce items of evidence. Yes. You weren't going to just tell me the story, like, I want to see the real deal. And he did. Wow. He did. So, I wrote his life story. And then from him, um, I met another man who is an older gentleman now, a prolific photographer, gorgeous work. But his early years were spent as a child actor in some of the biggest 
movies, TV shows of the, the 50s and the 60s. Incredible. He, was in, he was in the movie Peyton Place oh, as yeah. a little boy. <gasps> Peyton Place. I remember shot, that. Shot on the, on the shoreline of Maine. Wow. Camden, Maine. So that's his life story. And how his mom, I call her the original momager. Yes. Long before Chris Kardashian yes. ever broke onto the scene. Yes. She handled him and his older brother. Holy shit. In Hollywood with all the men. Yes. You know, fighting the patriarchy, but yet protecting her two young mm-hmm. sons and landing them these roles of a lifetime. It's amazing. So it's his life story. So you started in fiction. Yes. And then you went kind of the other way, the last couple books. Yes. And did you get a publisher right off the bat? Because I know all of my listeners are going to be like, how do I get published? So this is the hardest part of all. Yes. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Oh, it is. It is the untapped source of help that you don't <laughs> yes. know about yes. when you get into the grandeur of writing books. You're going to yes. be an author. Mm-hmm. You're going to be published worldwide. You're yes. also going to be in Barnes and Noble and BAM and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I've had publishers for all of my books. Not the same. Um, but three different publishers now. Okay. And uh, it's it's a grind. Yeah. To be straightforward, honest with you, the the typical the typical journey that a writer will take is that they'll cold query yes. an agent, a yes. literary agent, mm-hmm. and usually you'll get denied. Yes. And that's usually what you should expect. That's normal. That's normal. It's to be expected. Mm-hmm. It's the nature of the beast. Yes. It's much like trying to break into Hollywood. Yeah. Or singing or any any big career. Right. It's the same. Yep. It's a very hard nut to crack. Most people don't. Because you see these people like, for example, like a Rachel Hollis who wrote Girl, Wash Your Face. And, and we've talked about her before. And you see her like you know, make so much money off this one book and sell so many millions of copies, but no one sees the seven books that she wrote before this book took off. And, you know, everyone's like, how did you get this publisher? Well, look, she's been doing this for 15 years. You just think it's like this overnight success thing. Rarely is. Right. Sometimes it is. Yeah. And I will say that still exists in every industry Mm -hmm. and in every walk of life for, for anybody. Right. It can be that breakthrough moment right out of the gate. It just n- normally doesn't happen that way. Yes. And I can assure you it didn't for me. Mm-hmm. It still hasn't to that, to the extent right. of, you know, Rachel and et cetera. Right. Um, but what people do need to know if, you, if, you know, your hard work is done and your book is complete, then you need to really bring in an outside editor, a friend, have some beta readers. So basically those are a circle of five to 10 friends that you can count on to ship your 80,000 words to. <laughs> So they better be a good friend. I did this. Yeah, because you're you're asking them for their time. Right. And it, it's not just a, hey, I liked your book. It was, I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to yes. go through this. I'm going to talk about pacing. I'm going to talk about, okay, we need to fix your punctuation. Right. We're going to grammar a little bit. All of it. Um, this chapter doesn't work. We're going to need to, like, 13 needs to be two. Yes. So um, it's a whole big job in order to even get your book ready to the point where you're going to start to query agents. And that's when the rejection comes in. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like, you start getting like, "Why did I even do this? Do this? this is such a waste of my time." I must be the worst writer in the world. <laughs> yep, all of those things. But then you hear these crazy stories. Like, I was—I don't know which author it was. The the name of the author is just escaping my mind. But this person went into like Penguin and brought the book, and they were like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And then the person sent the book to Penguin, and they were like, "Here you go." They just return it, and then they met someone at a. Uh, a fundraiser one night in New York and they worked at Penguin, but like not in the publishing part, like in like, you know, like a minioning little role. Right. And the person was like, listen, you have to write on the transcript, like portfolio. This is not for 
I'm not submitting this for you to look at this book. That's the only way we can get this in. And they, she did. And guess what? Like two months later, they called her and her book was published. That's luck. There you go. Now you have to have, you have to have a balls of a Buffalo. That too. But your work has to be quality. (laughs) I I suspect whoever that is spent some time with an editor. Must have. To make sure that their, their product is as good as it could be. Right. And that's sometimes another pitfall for new writers is you think that you've gone through it. Maybe your husband eyeballed it. And your best friend, two houses down the street, mm-hmm. definitely took a look. Yep. And they all love it. Yes. So it's going to get oh, instantaneous. Yeah. It's, we're going to spread like wildfire. We are. Here or, we go. or that it's perfect. And yes. then it's funny because I'll never forget the first time that I, you know, I, I self-published my book because I'm a control freak, which that's also a grind in its own right. And we can get into that later on. But I remember... Um, I was sitting on my back porch and I was just crying into a glass of bourbon because I found a typo in my book after I had just, you know, paid all this money to have all these books made. Right. And my stepdaughter, Karina, who she just is the best. And she said, listen, JK Rowling's, all these people now, those books that they had typos in and shit was fucked up are worth like millions of dollars for a copy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you for saying that because you just made my whole day because you know, I'm a perfectionist. To the point where it's like not not healthy. Um, so if you do write a book, guys, and there's a double the in one of the paragraphs, don't fucking worry about it. It's not, the, it. End of the, it's world, not the end of the world. But I will say your goal when you put out your book is yes. for it to be as perfect as it Absolutely. can be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what has been your favorite book to write, in your opinion? If you could, <clears throat> If you could really go back and think. So I'm working on a couple right now that might be my new favorites, yeah. but with the, the ones that are already out <clears throat> among the six that are already out, my heart was changed forever by shadow kid. Really? Yes. Because it was not, it was my first narrative nonfiction. Yes. Um, I got to absolutely adore the man that this is about and the, the sense of survival. So for instance, if you go through a really hard crisis and you were low for a long time, right. you have to reboot. But the level of rebooting he had to do and the circumstances that always combined mm-hmm. in a weird way. It, it, you know, remember the scene in Forrest Gump where the, the, the feather comes through yes. and just gets lifted on a gust of wind yes. over and over and over again. So that that was his life. So it led him to highs of extraordinary greatness that also I had never imagined mm-hmm. a person could attain with his skill set. Right. And it also led him to the you know the the gates of hell of sadness and grief mm-hmm. and loss that takes that constant rebooting right to get back to level set mm-hmm. so i my heart remained there because i got to know him in my book as the character that he grew up as right and all of the all of the the feeding characters so it's like you're in a you're in a swamp and you might be the turtle but there are feeding characters yes. beneath you right there's the little minnow and right. there's the, the mosquito that lands on mm-hmm. the surface and there's everything that interacts with you that inevitably impacts your flow right in that same swamp that's what he was constantly surrounded by events people timing interrupted his flow mm-hmm. and he always had to reboot and and ended up having a pretty magnificent life and never was going to share any of this with anybody this is stuff that touches upon government um defense using children and it was it's pretty heavy and so because he became so close to me and I adore him, it impacted me. Right. Because it was not just a, a subject of a book. It was the man that I know, mm-hmm. my friend. 
that one I think sticks with me forever. Let's also talk about how you can literally sit down and write a book in like three months. It takes about three and then I correct it after that. But it also, for people that want to do this, be forgiving of yourself. That's the first thing. Don't ever put any pressure on yourself that on this day, on a Tuesday or a Thursday, I have to write this many words. I will sit for four hours and crank out 10,000 words. It just doesn't work that way. No, it actually hurts you. And it sets you up to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was listening to this motivational speech when I was writing my book and it was like all these great authors talking about their like fuck ups and process. Oh, the process and stuff. And I remember, I can't remember the author, but he had written like over 90 novels in his lifetime, which is like, what the fuck? Right. Mm -hmm. And the person who was interviewing him said like, how did you do it? How did you write 90 novels? And the guy's in his eighties and he goes, 300 crappy words a day. (laughs) And it was like, what? And he goes, I would just say to myself, just sit at the computer or at that time, it was probably the typewriter and write 300 crappy words. And guess what? When you get into it and you just say, okay, I'm just going to sit down and write these words. Then all of a sudden it starts flowing out of you. But if you force yourself, like you were just saying, which I used to do, I would wake up at the butt crack of dawn, caffeinate my tits off, go in my basement in the, in the book dungeon, like I used to call it. And I would just force myself to write and to write and to write. And it made it so painstaking. And it was so good because after I lost the book, I eased up on that. Cause I was like, Whoa, I just tried to push the square peg so hard in that round hole, which is what I, as you know, I preach to all the women that follow me from all over the world. Like you don't force stuff. You got to like, let it flow. And there I am in the sweatshop in my basement trying to crank out, you know, like you said, 5,000 words in a couple hours. And it's just like, it's not, it's not doable. So I love how you said like, have some grace with yourself and know that like, it's, it's supposed to be a journey when you're writing a book. It's not about the end result. And I remember when I was writing my book, I was like, I'm going to be a New York Times bestselling author. I'm going to, you know, sell this many books. Cause this is like, before you get into the, as we're going to talk about even deeper, the nitty gritty of the, the bullshit world of book writing and publishing and selling and marketing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Not a good look. And I'm glad that I, at the end, when I learned like, okay, Katie, you're going to self-publish cause you're a control freak and you need that control. Um, it was just like, I don't care if it's a best-selling anything. I want it to get into the hands of the people who it's going to impact the most. And we ended up selling and I'm still selling so many books. But I think when people go into it with this like preconceived notion, like it has to be this or I'm a fucking loser or a failure. Or I'm embarrassed. Oh, that was... That's a big part of it. That was huge for me. Mm-hmm. Was it ever for you to like, oh my God, I'm going to put this book out and no one's going to buy my book and I'm sure. going to be a, a, just the biggest laughing stock. Yes, but... The, so there's always going to be noise in whatever yes. project you take on. Right. There's always going to be, eh, ah, you, I mean, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to do that? Yeah. And that's another part of your journey. Right. So when you lost your book yes. and you put that part of you away yes. and you emerged as something different and new, you were able to create ambitious. Right. Ambitious. Mm-hmm. And it became a huge success in all the capacities in which you designed it to be. Right. Right. So you can't, you can't compartmentalize yourself into failure, which is the expectation that on that Tuesday, it's going to yes. be 10,000 words, yes. cracked out, they're going to be flawless, they're going to be perfect. <laughs> it doesn't, I go back, when I craft a new chapter, Sometimes there there have been weeks that have passed between the time that I wrote the ones before and the ones I'm working on now. I go back and reread everything, and I'll even fix then. I constantly edit. Do you ever get sick of yourself, though? Not yet. So (laughs) sick of myself in every other way. Yes. Sick of my worst habits. Sick of my bad tendencies. Yes. I got sick of my own words. 
Like, so, you know, you keep reading the words and you're just like, oh my God, shut up. No, that's how, <laughs> nope, that's how you develop into a better writer because. Thank it, you for that. It, no, it challenges you. See, mm-hmm. like if you're reading something and you're like, why? I just said that in yes. chapter four. Yes. That ta- that ta- challenges you then to train your brain and your writing abilities to expand. Right. I've worked on my kids bug with this when, you know, they're, they're really good writers in their own way, but they don't want to be writers. Right. Do they love to sit down and read books. My son has become better, but my daughter could be better. But what I've, what I've tried to tell them is like, listen, you can't just spell out the same sentence and inject two different words. Yeah. Still the same sentence, yes. the exact same thought. Tell your thought in a different way. Use different words. Challenge yourself to find up with a find find a different way to lead that paragraph right. than the one you did before. Yes. So that's how nov- novel writers, um, fiction, nonfiction, whatever you're putting together, that's one of the ongoing tests of getting better. You're never going to be a perfect writer, no matter who you are. Yes. How many best-selling lists you've appeared upon, how many thousands and millions of books you've sold. Sometimes there's more pressure. Yeah. Right. Because you make it big and then like, okay, the second book has to be even bigger. And sometimes they're not as good. And sometimes they're just not your best. Yeah. You know, and you'll learn that three books away or like I do, you revisit, you know, if I'm, if I'm working on chapter 12, I will need to go back to chapter five to figure out why is that character this way? Yes. And that's, you know, that's just a part of deepening your craft, sharpening your skills And that's lifelong. I don't care if you're 40, 27, or 81. Absolutely. It always, you can always get better. And you should always, another another way to broaden your world and to see into other realms. I watch TV. Yes. I mean, by default. We love TV. I I do love TV. I love stories. (laughs) And and focus on a character. Yes. Like if you're a fiction writer, focus on one of the housewives. Just one. Why does she, why is Ramona this way? Oh my God, seriously. So why is she it. this way? Why is she this way? So dig into a little bit, right? Like we not both just what Ramona life. looks like, yes. but what drives Ramona. Right. And that, and then you come up with words and then you come up with scenarios and then you can, you can see. And when you can visualize your writing, it just opens up a whole world right. of descriptors and um, scenes and dialogue. Yes. Dialogue. Is this why you psychoanalyze me? <laughs> Jen and I were having coffee upstairs before we came to the podcast where she was psychoanalyzing me. I'm like, is this bitch trying to write a book about my psychosis? No, I'm just no. What I'm doing is I'm bringing you all up into your better, higher self. Thank you, friend. Baby. Thank you, friend. Mm-hmm. As you do with me. Always. And that's what friends are for. For real. So, all right. The, let's let's kind of shift gears for a second because, you know, you already spoke a lot of victory into these people that are going to write. But I want you to tell like the the hard parts about the book. So from, I don't know about you, but like for me, like the writing of the book wasn't the hardest part. Like you'd think, oh my God, the writing of the book was the hardest part and getting the team and doing all this stuff and fine tuning was the hardest part. But for me, it was like the, the marketing and the getting, rallying all of the people from your life that you have done favors for and rallying all of your friends and rallying, you know, like all of the, the PTO moms to, you know, talk about your book and post about it on Instagram and all this stuff. And then when like people don't show up that you just think in your mind, like, oh, these people are going to show up for me. It's like hurt. It's really gut wrenching. I think it's gut wrenching. Um, it can turn you sideways. Yes. It can live inside of you if you let it. And it can really grow resentment. So 
Yes, let's talk about that because it has the potential to do significant damage. Right, to you. right. And you know, you talk about finding higher levels, higher vibrations, yes. right? In which you can absorb all of that and still keep going because it matters to you. Right. So if you're going to be an actor, you have to anticipate that somebody will be like, I've never seen that. In my TV career, I constantly get hit with the, oh, I don't watch. I only watch Boston. I don't watch New Hampshire News. Yes. Oh, I don't. Are you on? What one? What show do you? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yes. And, and that's fine. So as long as you have already committed to that part of yourself that is able to ignore, move forward, and it's like the opposite of empower, you have to depower yes. somebody else's ability to knock you off. So true. Allege that you're not even on. Mm-hmm. So with all of that said, books i agree the easiest part about books is writing the book yes and then everything that comes after is really really hard and it's very upsetting and it's very discouraging and it's almost traumatic and a lot of people think if they get an editor i mean an editor an agent agent and someone who's going to publish they automatically think that these people are going to blow them up and make them like the next freaking you know Brene brown and they might it could happen. It could. Again, I, I mean, you don't rule anything out because right. if your product is that excellent, then you do have a shot yes. and you should, you deserve a shot. Mm-hmm. So for everybody else, your product might still be excellent, right? but it won't get that kind of treatment. Exactly. And it just won't. And it's just how the world works. So you have to learn how to be your own best advocate and you have to learn to walk that, that it, it's like a perimeter of yes. success. You're right around the edges. You've created something really great, but how do you jump into the deep end? Yes. And why aren't they letting you into the pool? Damn it, let me in. Seriously. And I brought my, I have my bathing suit on. I brought my sunblock. Let me into the damn pool. Right. And they're like, no, sorry. Sorry. We're full. Sorry. Yeah. That's just it. We're full. Yeah. We're full. We don't need you. Mm -hmm. We already have so many others. Right. So if you're pouring your heart and soul into a book, you're doing it because you want that book to be created and you want to share it with the world. Yes. Okay. So that, that has to be your only thing. So that's like your target in the middle. Don't do it to make money. Don't do it to make money. Don't do it to become famous. Yep. And if all of that stuff happens, that's gravy. Awesome. But the but the the root of your happiness and success should be that you created a book. Absolutely. And once you once you wrap your heart around that part <laughs> and you can ward off all of the other stuff that yes. comes with it, then you are an enlightened writer. You're so right about that because if I did write another book, I would not have the same shitty expectations that I put on myself and everyone around me to show up for myself and to show up. And for people to show up for, for me, um, I, that's a huge lesson that I learned. So if I did write another book, that's how I would show up. It's a tough lesson. Oof. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. a tough lesson. Especially when you've supported so many yes. people in all of their stuff. Yes. And you and I are so much alike when it comes to that stuff. Like we're girls, girls. We will do it all for the people. We will give the money to the cheerleading and the bake sale and the Girl Scout cookies. And we will post other people's work on our social media. But then when it was time for like, okay, remember I did this for you. But then it, when you're living in that tit for tat world, you're always going to feel bad about yourself at the end of the day because you have all these crazy expectations. Whereas, you know, most people every day are just trying to like wipe their ass and not leave like doo-doo drops. They're in survival bum. mode. Yeah. We are collectively in survival mode. Absolutely. So you, again... When I say be kind and gracious with yourself yes. and your expectations, you have to apply that to other people too. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way you survive book world. Yeah. Period. Exclamation point And the end. Have you ever had a bad review on a book? Yes. And what was that like? Oh, goodness. It's that same mentality yeah. of 
Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Especially when they take tons of time out of it. Tons their, of time. Oh, they wrote a novella about your book. Tons of time, <laughs> a lot of effort, yes. and a lot of energy to be so snarky and mm. funny and clever. Mm-hmm. And you give them props for that because yes. they definitely didn't cook dinner for the 15 minutes it took to craft that review. Right, right. right? Or they didn't pick up their kid that day because yep. they were late writing mm-hmm. my bad review. Mm-hmm. So again, you have to you have to let that go as much as that hurts your heart and it just ripped it apart and it stabbed your gut. It doesn't matter. Yes. It doesn't matter. So if you were going to give advice to someone who's out there listening and they want to write maybe fiction, nonfiction, they want to write a self-improvement book. They want to just write a book for their family about their life. Because you have, have you seen that a lot lately? A lot. These older people are writing about their lives. So they just can, so it's in one place. It's so beautiful. It's in one place for everybody who comes after. Right. It's the legacy. Find. It's that legacy book, right? And yeah. could you imagine if like our ancestors did that for us and we knew their stories like how beautiful would that be there's so many times in which you lose a loved one you know a pivotal person in your life and you have that moment of oh, i don't have anybody else left to ask yes and all of that information is lost because yeah, you, it dies okay, with them i might not remember it correctly and it might not have gone that way but everybody is gone that's right so yes even if it's just a collection of memories that yes. you want your great grandkids when they're living in your cape house yeah. that's the real dream right, right when right. you set up the house in wellfleet yes and you're leaving the book on the table I'm for everybody for to read was there as they're looking at the sunset oh god i love this i love that too. taint that picture for me I I, i'll write that book <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so what would be like your best advice for no matter who these people are what they want to write like give me a couple tips sit down and do it just stop contemplating okay stop wishing Sit down and do it. And I don't care if it's a Sunday at two or you woke up on Wednesday with a ton of energy after you went to the gym. Throw down words. Throw down words all the time. Because you can get an editor that will perfect perfect it. You can find anybody in that world to make it as you want it to be. But let it come from you first. Right. Just get it out. All of those things that you, you've you been thinking about, that story that you keep putting together in your head, don't let it disappear into the ether. Right. Don't let don't let some drunken night on red wine <laughs> when you had you had fantastic ideas slip away. When you're sober the next morning and you can remember it, jot it down. Yes. Jot it down. Jot it down. Think of a conversation. Think of a scene. Um, if you're writing about, you know, a murder that took place at a five-star resort in Mexico. Right. Then when you're there. Crack open your laptop and jot down what you see, what you smell, what your margarita tasted like. Oof, all love of this. all of the tangibles. Yes. So your book might be an intangible in the moment. It's just an idea. Right. But all of the tangibles that, that you're paints need, the picture. Yes. And it puts the reader in that space where they're smelling what's in the air yes. and they're drinking their drink and everything yes. is making sense and clicking. Clicking. I love so that. So open a Word doc or a Google Drive. Yep. And jot it down. Mm-hmm. And then before long. You have a whole scene created. Yes. Before long, you have conversations and you have dialogue in your head. You've created a character. That's all it takes. You just have to start. Yes. It's. I mean, it's like the oldest right thing in the book to say, but it's the number one thing. I, I say that to truth. every. It is the only truth. I mean, that's for anything. You want to lose weight? Start. Mm-hmm. Eat healthy. Get on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to go into the gym and lift like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not just yet. Consistency is key. Yes. Look at look at what you're creating. Right. This was an idea. Of right. Yours. This was a, this was a compilation of ideas. Yes. And this is a body of research and a thought process and a mind work. And all of a sudden, one day, Katie Boyd, you said, "I have this vision," but the vision just didn't create itself. Right. The hours and hours of work 
Yes, and I the, know. <laughs> the healing and the digging and the uncovering yes. and the ripping off of the band-aids, mm-hmm. right? All of that are their flavors, their tastes, their moments, their memories. So you can think them. Why can't you write them down? It's the same exact thing. It's so true. And what about for the people that are like, I I failed English. Doesn't lit. matter. Like I can't write. I don't understand apostrophes, punctuation. I don't. I'm I'm a run-on sentence machine. You can throw a paragraph together. Thank you. And you bring people into your life at whatever point you're ready to, right. and they help you finesse it. Yes. And they make it perfect. Right. And then they hand it back to you and say, "Okay, I've done everything that I can for you, but this is yours. Right. These are your memories, your ideas. This is your this is your craft and your baby. So here you go. Mm-hmm. Do with it what you will. And you also ghostwrite. Yes. So what's that like compared to writing your own stuff? Um, I, I love that too, because I'm taking somebody's fear, but yet somebody's story and passion, and I can deliver it to them, which is, this is just as good as it is coming out of your mind. I'm just supplying the words yes. that you might not be able to find in that moment. Because a lot of people think like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a loser if I have a ghostwriter. But that's not true. No, every think everybody. Think every think every celebrity you've ever read never wrote their book. The real life account for. Do you think Erica Jane was writing her damn book? <laughs> she came, she popped into my mind just now. I, I know. Say I was name, just reading your mind. But the pretty mess probably had lots of little messes spinning around her all at the same time. Absolutely. To help her. To help her. Everything is about helping, right? So if you have a talent and you have a gift, then how can you not use that to help somebody who might not have that as mastered as you do at that time? And it's timing, right? Right. It's timing. It's whatever stage you are in your life. If your story is coming together and it's ready, but you're not, why would you not bring in somebody who is? Absolutely. just doesn't make sense. hundred percent. Jen, this was good. good This is such good information. So where can people find you? I want to know all the things. We're going to put a lot of this stuff in the show notes. So if you guys are driving or you're in the park walking your kid or you're in the middle of beating your husband with a cutting board, (laughs) don't worry about taking these notes. We're going to put it in the show notes. So all you have to do wherever you're consuming this podcast, just scroll down and you can get in touch with Jen. You can follow her. Where are all the places that they can they can get in touch with you. So my website is jvwrites.com. Okay. So I've got some pictures out there, some of the fun things that I've encountered in my career, some of the authors that I've met, um, some of the wonderful authors and creators who have given me supplied blurbs. We didn't, this is another whole podcast, how to get the perfect blurb, Katie Boy. We need the blurbs. Whoa, you I need like the blurbs. blurbs from the people. We'll so have to have you back for a second podcast. All of that is an integral part of when you write books or create content. You mean like you mean the blurbs like like the catchy? So for instance, yes, the catchy. Yes. Um, Tom Bergeron was the most recent blurb for Made in Hollywood, yes. right? And I can tell you this. Um, another point before we close is there are people that have come before you that have had perfected their way, right? So they're outstanding actors. They're Academy Award-winning performers. They're um, New York Times bestsellers. They owe you nothing. Yes. So the ones who stop and get back to you and blurb a nice line or supply a kind word, oh. Give them an edible arrangement. <laughs> You know, send them some chocolate-covered strawberries. Send the and I fruit. think, you know. Send all the fruit. You know? Come yeah. on. Well, I think that that's gone out of style now is people do things for people, too, and then they never even get a thank you. Mm-mm. Oh, a written thank you? Ooh. I mean, bring back that 1956 Tingly. thing. Ooh, makes my panties dra- drop. <laughs> Let me tell you, I love a good thank you card. You brought a beautiful card to me today, and I was like, people just don't. I was saying to you, people just don't do this anymore. Everyone just expects. They're so entitled. Or a quick text. Or a qu- no, write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Be gracious. 
be kind. Absolutely. Live with integrity. Hello. Mm, hello. <laughs> hello. Oh my God. Okay. So they can go to jvwrites.com. Everything is there. What's up with Instagram? Are you, are you, oh, are you gramming it? Where, what am I on Instagram? I think All my like, handles? Yeah. It's like JV Rights. Yeah. So it's JV Rights 9, I believe. JV Rights 9. And then 9. Twitter is JVonNH. Oh God. You tweet? I, I. Do you like to tweet? Love the Twitter. Damn, I got off of Twitter because when I, I when it's I had my podcast. when I had my show, I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's People a, call me fat. No. <laughs> and they're six hundred pounds. And I'm like, bitch, you're tweeting that I'm fat. I should kill myself and you're six hundred pounds. You look so, like Gilbert Grape's mom. <laughs> you need you need to you need to um tweet no you need to deconstruct social media on a whole different level on a whole different day yes. because the damage that this has done. Oof. So my purpose for Twitter is sometimes you ask to get out quick book information yes. and links to where you can get all okay. the books. But also, I need to I need to ingest quick information. Okay, and that's a, that's a product of my job. Got it, got it. But yes, you're. I mean, we need to. You need to. We need to have a second podcast just about social media. That, the social media impact, Oof. the shaping of our children. Yeah. on social media. Let's so, do that. You got to come back. Big pyramid. Oh, I Equal I agree. Sides. I freaking agree, and it's making everybody crazy. crazy. Even we're a little crazy about it sometimes. sometimes. You know, not as much as the younger kids, but we still, we still have feelings, man. Yes. And it's, Hey, if you want support for your feelings, you're going to get it there. But if you say something that somebody <laughs> else doesn't like, you're going to get it there. You're gonna, it's a double <laughs> donger. It's a double <laughs> donger. Oh my God. And also people can work with you. So you can actually help them edit their books. You can ghostwrite. You can help them with all of the beautiful. I love my cap- joint projects. Okay. Oh, love my joint projects. So they can email you. Yes. Absolutely. Through the website. Yep. JVWrites9 at gmail.com. Perfect. Or jvwrites at comcast.net. I lo- Ample opportunity. I love it. Multiple places. <laughs> I love it. Jen, this was awesome. Can't think This is awesome. And now after we sign off here, we're going to go and we're going to record for Ambitious Academy, which is so exciting. And Jen's going to teach all of my entrepreneurs there how to create copy that actually gets people to read. Because we're living, as you know, in a, we're just drowning in information. Quick information and tidbits. It, yeah. And not these like, I mean, you see it, I'm sure, on Instagram all the time. These people like write these novels. No one's fucking reading this shit. They might not. You need to grab unless them and they're keep obsessed them. with yes, you, you and they want to wear your ass as a hat. You gotta have copy that converts. Usable snippets of information. Yeah, not not novellas about. Not always. You know, it, it was Sicily. 1928. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my God, Jen, I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming on here and taking time out of your busy life and doing this for us. I love you. I appreciate it. So if we had to sum up this podcast, stop being a pussy and write your fucking book. And if you feel like a dingling, hire Jen Vaughn and she'll fucking help you write your book. So you don't have to feel like a big poop stain. Okay. I love each and every one of you guys. And don't forget to stay ambitious.